And I discovered, Kurt, a brand new pet peeve. Whoa, do you have a money printing machine too? Have difficulty separating from their garbage? Correct. I'm not going there at all. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, and I don't want to. We should just call this episode Sweeping Over Generalizations. Pretty cool, huh? It's just another way for humans to act rude to others. Well, hello, fellow smart drivelers. This is your co-host, Kurt Schneider, with... Your other co-host, John Ellenthal. John, today, on this episode, we're going to revisit something that we did in episode number two, way back in March of last year. And if you think about what this year has meant to all of us, it's been a crazy, crazy We're going to do pet peeves, John, pet peeves too. And one of yours might be that I just prattle on too much and it takes too long for me to set up the topic. Pet peeves, John, two. So pet peeves was episode number two, huh? Yes, you are correct, sir. (laughs) By the way, Ed McMahon was funny. I mean, that guy on Saturday Night Live was hysterical as Ed McMahon. You are correct. (laughs) You think Ed McMahon was really that jolly? Yes. The guy gave away money in a publisher's clearinghouse every week. How could you not be? Dollars, yeah. Giving oh. is the ultimate form of happiness, John. One day you'll realize it's not receiving, it's giving. Thanks for that little life lesson. One day I'll realize. Yes. It's a paradox, John. We actually think that in giving, we'll be sad because we're losing something. But the paradox, which means seeming contradiction, is actually the opposite. Once we give, we get happier. I'll tell you what, next time you're feeling like you want to be selfish, why don't you get me something? Fair enough. Wait a second. Oh, right. So, yes, good. You know, what's interesting about pet peeves is we recorded our first pet peeve episode before the pandemic. And I don't remember exactly what we said, but I bet you we talked about a lot of pet peeves that we haven't experienced over the past 14 months. We haven't had many restaurants where eaters take away one person's dishes before everybody's done. You haven't. You probably haven't driven as much. So you, you can't get pissed off about people as frequently, at least people who don't use a turn signal or who drive really slow in the left lane. We can't complain about people in the movie theater who are talking during the movie. So we've had to focus on our pet peeves in other parts of our lives. And I discovered, Kurt, last week, a brand new pet peeve. I happen to agree with you. It's the one where people wear their masks, but don't cover their nose. That is definitely a pet peeve. We should, this is like the pet peeve pandemic version. No, this was, I had house guests, Kurt, and I don't want to identify them. Okay, it was my dad. <laughs> my mom and my dad were the house guests, but this pet peeve is brought to you by my father. My father likes to microwave things, but he can't seem to wait until the clock gets down to zero. So when it's at like three or four seconds, He stops the microwave, opens the door, and takes everything out. I'm not aggravated by the fact that he can't wait until zero. He can't wait three more seconds. The pet peeve, though, is he walks away at that point. So the next person who uses the microwave has to reset it before they can put in their time. If you're going to stop the microwave prematurely, you have to press clear or reset so that the last next person doesn't pick up your garbage. 
Okay, two things. One is that seeming to be a little curmudgeonly of you that it's a little bit because I'm not here to be judged, Kurt. Okay. But I'm going to judge you because, first of all, you must know pet peeves, judgmental people. Continue, <laughs> Kurt. Stopping the microwave before the ding is actually good for humanity. Okay. Before I ask you to explain that, because that does warrant an explanation, I don't care that he stops it early. I think it's funny. I care that he doesn't clear the timer so the next person has an extra step because he couldn't bother pressing clear. And that extra step is just pressing clear. Right. So that wouldn't bother you because you're just so friggin' carefree? Yep. I was with a friend today in a similar, we were talking about this one on a hike, and he brought up a similar milieu of pet peeve, which I actually agree with too, which is people that don't fill up the ice cube tray all the way. Like they fill up some of the cubes and not others, or they don't bring the height up? They don't bring the height up. How hard is that to just keep the water going for another eight seconds and fill it up? And therefore you get an ice cube that's like a third of a cube. Kurt, did you take a hike into the 1970s? Because who uses an ice cube tray anymore unless you're making special ice cubes for a drink? Most people still do just because we're not in the aristocracy that has an ice cube making machine. You think that it's still more common than not that people use ice trays, ice cube trays? I think it's a little borgy of you to talk about ice cube making machines. It's like, whoa, do you have a money printing machine too? <laughs> I don't think we're talking about going to Mars here. I think we're talking about technology that has plenty of time to proliferate across the refrigerator kingdom. I think that most refrigerators make ice cubes. Now, I don't want to come off like you, who's constantly saying, yes, when I was back in France in 1989, or when I went to a bullfight in Mexico, or I studied in Spain, I wouldn't want to come off like that, because after all, that's your brand. We don't want to confuse our listeners. Can I tell you, when you go to a bullfight in Spain, you pay for a ticket, either Sol or Sombra. Sol is sun, Sombra is shade. Guess which one's more expensive? Shade. Yes, Sombra, you are correct. This is like the whole port thing all over again. <laughs> yes, it is. Except, except, you know what? The British, except the British paid more for the sunny side. Uh, actually, they didn't. And it's not port, it's posh. Oh, yes. Posh. Port out, starboard home. Right. And uh-huh. they paid more to be in the shade then, too. So I guess there's something about shades and parasols and things like that. Staying in the kitchen with pet peeves, John. This thing has always bothered me. It used to bother my father when I was growing up, and I didn't understand why, and I used to taunt him about it. And maybe I have delayed genealogical reactions, John. Delayed genealogical reactions, okay. I think my DNA just, you know, took a while to wake up. But I, too, have this pet peeve, which is people in the kitchen leaving the cabinets open. Leaving cabinets ajar drives me crazy. Pet peeve. Just shut the damn things already. A jar is not a good thing. Either open or shut. A jar, not good. Make up your mind. And open, if you've done something, open it and close it. Well, you were suggesting that my microwave-related pet peeve was ridiculous because it would only take a split second to clear the microwave timer. I don't believe you have come up with something here that requires extraordinary effort to close the cabinet. So what's the difference? It's not about effort. It's about mindset. 
They don't have the courtesy to shut it. And actually by opening it up, all it's doing is playing on your nerve ending. So completely different than the microwave thing, a 180 degrees different. Clearly, they are very different milieus because you called me bougie. Milieu means environment. It's like stuff that's happening around. It's just a word that we use every day. The point is, you didn't say environment, stuff that's happening around us. You went with milieu. Look, I could go outside right here in Santa Monica and ask 11 people, hey, how's the milieu out here? And I'd probably get punched in the face. You might just ask them whether they use ice cube trays or not. I I do, because I'm not bougie. Bougie or bougie? I'm not one of the Borgias. So give me another one. I'll call you Victor the rest of the episode. I will stick with your kitchen milieu. We recently visited an apartment that my wife and I rent in New York City. And one of our children had been using the apartment a few months back. And as we opened up more cabinets, which, by the way, were closed completely, and the microwave was completely zeroed out. We opened the refrigerator. We found spaghetti sauce jars that were completely empty. We, we found boxes of crackers in the cabinet that were completely empty. We found stuff that had been taken from the freezer used and only the wrapping went back in. So what kind of person, Kurt, uses up something and then puts it back in the refrigerator or the cabinet. So that would be a pet peeve of mine too, but I can't really keep it as one because it's generational. That whole generation below us does that on purpose because they're seeking for some sort of security in their life. And if they throw it away, they feel it'll be gone. By keeping even the wrapping, it's allowing them to sort of be tethered. It's sort of their mid-20s teddy bear, if you will. So you're arguing that people who are in their mid-20s have difficulty separating from their garbage? Correct. And I'll tell you why I come up with that. Because you're insane. Oh, I've had this conversation four times this weekend already. We, as parents of those people, have ruined that generation because we are helicopter parents. We do everything for them. As soon as we think they might fail, we swoop in and don't let them do it. They call it snowplow parents, helicopter parents. So. We do that. And so therefore, they think they can't fail. And maybe one way of letting themselves realize they can fail is by putting used spaghetti jars back in the refrigerator. Okay, I'm going to ask you this question again. Are you insane? So I have a pet peeve that has driven me crazy for nigh on 30 years now. I think it should be printed on the packaging of toilet paper that the way you roll it out must come from the top not the bottom. So it's got to come from the top, not the bottom. Have and you ever gone to a friend's house or a hotel or a restaurant and you're using the bathroom, you go to use the toilet paper and it has to come out from the bottom? What rolls is it about? Rolls should feed from the top. Always toilet paper rolls. You know, it works both ways, Kurt. And it's not like it takes any more time or you use any more paper. So what's the real cost here? Where's the inconvenience? It's against gravity. And do you not think that the typical human bathroom user doesn't have the strength to overcome the gravitational pull? It's not that toilet paper from the bottom. It is a classic, absurd perversion of efficiency. So, Kurt, I know there's a debate among women 
when using toilet paper, some people reach in the front and some people reach around the back. Like one's a jockey and what's the other one called? Are you kidding? <laughs> no. I'm not going there at all. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, and I don't want to. Why? You brought up toilet paper. I'm not talking about using it. I'm talking about the... <laughs> no, you're so pristine and puritanical. So, John, I have another pet peeve. You ever go out to a restaurant or a bar with a couple of friends? Yes. You ever sit around the bar and you order a few drinks, maybe before dinner or just going out for drinks? Yes. Ever have friends or colleagues or friends of friends or strangers, but they're sitting at your table, order a mixed drink? Yes. Ever have any of those mixed drinks, like in old-fashioned glasses, come with a straw, particularly those small little stirring straws? Yes. Ever have any of those people sip their drink out of those straws? (laughs) (laughs) I believe I've actually done that. Oh, my God. That's the biggest pet peeve of mine. I've actually reached across to people's glasses, taking the straws out of their drink and put them on the table. Um, Okay, you know, it actually is a straw. It has a channel in there that does allow the beverage to pass up with a little bit of suckage. No, it is a huge pet peeve of mine. Leave the straw to the side. Well, it really is. As you pointed out, it really is for stirring. All right. So I've got a pet peeve for you. When was the last time you apologized to somebody? Last night. And was it a real apology or was it a pet peeve apology, which sounds like, I'm sorry if I offended you, as opposed to, I'm sorry for doing what I did. There's nothing worse than when someone makes one of these public apologies because they got caught doing something that they shouldn't have been doing and it became a public matter. And they issue this candy-ass, completely empty, manipulative, quote-unquote, apology, which is, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Not, you're sorry for what you did. You're basically sorry you got caught. That is a pet peeve of mine, Kurt. I I think it's a great one, but I wouldn't leave it to just public figures and public apologies, because as you started off in your preamble, this is something that, and I'm sorry to say I am too, everyone is guilty of all the time. They get called on the carpet for something. And instead of taking full responsibility, you're right. They try to skirt it by saying, I'm sorry, you're upset about that. Now that is okay. Because sometimes if you've done something that you did not think was wrong, but you are sorry, the person is upset. That's okay. When someone actually doesn't take responsibility for having done something wrong, Someone might use a racially insensitive statement. And rather than saying, I screwed up, I shouldn't have said that, or I've learned a lesson about about how to be a little bit more aware of other people's feelings. Instead, you say, I'm sorry if I offended anybody. Bull honking shit. Or as Colonel Potter would say, that's horse hockey. How do you think the word offend came into our vocabulary? How you mean? Well, the word, it's got, it must be off and end, right? So how did that happen? How did, when you're offending someone, are you, is that because you're going off end and an end used to mean like a way of conducting yourself correctly in society and you're going off the sort of correct path? I'm just wondering about the etymology of that word. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with the combination of off and end. Oh, I do, John. I, off, the word offend 
comes from the Latin, quote, to wound the feelings, to hit, stumble, provoke, or displease. So it's oh. from Latin, Kurt. Oh, my mother-in-law gave us a great thing the other day for a smart dribble. And it has nothing to do with pet peeves. It has to do with words that we use like this and, and phrases. Curfew. Do you know where it comes from? I do not. In France, they used to have a guy who would have these lights, these flames that were lit in the town. Right. And the guy would put them out and at a certain hour. And you had to be in before the lights went out. And it's French for curfew or something with fire. Stop the fire. Put out the fire curfew. Pretty cool, huh? That is pretty cool. We love that stuff here at Smart Dribble. So thank you to your mother-in-law for that contribution. I feel an equal responsibility to share something that has nothing to do with today's topic. Okay. I would like you, even though this is a podcast, to attempt to lick your own elbow. You can't do it? It cannot be done. Another pet peeve happened to me today when I was driving. And we could do a whole episode just on driving pet peeves. And certainly the first time we hit our couple. But this one happened today. It's when you're coming in the left lane and you're going to turn. And there's a light. And the person in front of you does not go all the way out into the middle of the intersection. They wait right in front until it finally turns yellow. And then they go. And you're sitting behind them and you can't make the light. Just go halfway or two-thirds away into the intersection. Let me come right behind you. So when the light turns red and you have that time, you can make the left turn. Drives me crazy. Pet peeve of everyone in America. There's not a left green light. This is just, they can't get through oncoming traffic, but you want them to get deep enough so that both of you have no choice when the light starts to go, but to clear the intersection. You know who's really good at that? You. New York, New York City drivers. Okay, so please, can you give me another pet peeve? I can. The phone rings. Let's say we haven't met yet. And I say, hey, is this Kurt? And you might say, this is he? As opposed to, yes, this is he or this is she? Answer the damn question. It's a little George Costanza-esque, isn't it? Why? When he talks in the third person about George, George doesn't like this. But why wouldn't you just say, yes, I'm Kurt, as opposed to, this is he? Like we're suddenly part of the British monarchy. I'll tell you exactly why. Because society in general has been reduced to posturing just to, in order to get your foothold into where you think you should be in life. So every time there's been a pet peeve, you have done <laughs> an attempt to explain it away based on some macro insight that explains it all. Which brings me to a pet peeve not only in the Zoom society we live in, but also this whole new mobile society we live in, which is people think it's okay, okay in any environment to talk to someone, to be in a conversation and to look down at their phone or to look at their other computer or whatever and not look at them in the eyes. That's a huge pet peeve. Would you put it aside for 30 seconds, 40 it is, seconds? It is rude and you've attributed it to basically the mobile revolution. We should just call this episode sweeping over generalizations. Humans have always been rude, Kurt. When someone is talking to them, they find ways to not look the other person in the eye, to not pay attention, to not be present. We're just acting it out 
with a new set of tools, but it has not changed human behavior, Kurt. It's just another way for humans to act rude to others. I, I think it's it not caused, Kurt, by the mobile revolution. I think it was. I think it might, the kernel might have been. You are wrong. And not by a little bit, Kurt, but by a lot of bit. What about people that wear sunglasses inside? Yeah, you got to be particular. You're, you're a special kind of person who wears. Is that an attempt to be cool? It's got to also cut down on your visibility. I will tell you that once in a while, if I have a bad headache, I might put on my sunglasses because when you have a migraine or one coming on, you do get photosensitive. So I'd like an exemption for that. Kurt, what is my name? Fred. Kurt, what is my, what is my given name? Philip. Kurt, how do you spell John? B-E-R-N-A-R-D. I have permission from the judge to treat you as a hostile witness. Please answer the question you're asking. Remember, you've been sworn in. Well, it's a trick question because the name John by just John is J-O-H-N. No, no, no. I asked you what my name is. Jonathan. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. That is correct. I go by John for short in many environments, although I'm also known by Jonathan. My name is John. It's J-O-N. There are people who have known me for a long time and know exactly how I spell my name that might send me an email or something and spell my name, J-O-H-N. It is a pet peeve of mine when people have my name in front of them or they know my name, but nonetheless manage to misspell it. What did Dale Carnegie say was most important to people? Get their names right? Yeah, their identity. They need to be called by their name. He always encouraged people to use their name when conversation with them. It is just a beautiful sound to each of us. I agree, Shirley. (laughs) Spell my damn name correctly when it's there. Like a salesperson calls you and they have your name from your company's website and they still manage to write you something and spell your name wrong. No bueno, major pet peeve. I do think it is cool, though, whoever, and I'd like to get this job because someone someplace has the job of coming up with the nicknames of names that like all of them have not a nickname like, oh, you're Mr. Nosy because you got a big nose, but Henry to Hank. Hank out of Henry is awesome. Jack out of John. Okay. I mean, there's some ones that you're coming. How do they Betsy out of Elizabeth? You know, how do you get these? It's just, I like those people. And I like those people who come up with the names that are universal nicknames for names. And they're not part of them. Hank is not part of Henry. You think there's a group of people that's responsible for this? I'd like to apply for that job. I mentioned in my last pet peeve that people might, people who know you or have your name in front of them might send you an email. For my next pet peeve, I'm going to stick with the email milieu. Long emails are a serious pet peeve. Email is a short form medium, not as short, of course, as a text, but it is not for someone to write a novella. If you write more than a few sentences in an email, which most people read on a little phone screen, then you are doing it wrong. And you're pissing me off. Okay. You might have been doing it wrong from from whence it was originally contemplated. However, email has replaced the memorandum, has replaced long form writing for everyone. 
And where does the long form email memo come from? That used to be two pages. You have to then, it's now okay to put that in email. That's what people are doing. No, you can attach a document to an email that is longer. And your email then says, hey, Kurt, I'd love to get your thoughts on the attached document. Not let me dump the entire 1,000 words into an email where you're going to try to read it on a tiny screen. You know what another pet peeve is? When people say, from whence it came. (laughs) I think it's just whence it came, even though it sounds awkward. So, So I think you're right, John. Probably if I think about it with email, it should be short. By the way, the Gettysburg Address, only 250 words and one of the most powerful speeches of all time. You know, sometimes shorter and more condensed. Oh, see, I didn't need to say that. Sometimes shorter is better. I didn't need to say and more condensed. I have the need to feel to go on. You don't need to. It's always better. I just think, as we both know, it's harder to say something short than to say something long because it requires what Lincoln did with the Gettysburg Address is truly historic. And was it Mark Twain who said, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write you a short one? There's a lot of wisdom in that. So long podcasts are something that people have pet peeve about, too. So let's wrap this one up. Everyone, John and I will be back next week with another episode of Smart Drivel, where we promise the drivel and hope for the smart. We also encourage you to let us know your pet peeves. And if one of them is listening to John talk about stuff and pontificate and be bourgeois, that's okay. And if one of the things you love to hear is for people to explain away complex social and human behavioral issues with a single sweeping generalization passed forward like it's some sort of insight, then Smart Drivel is the place <laughs> The place for you. It used to be Green Acres is the place for you, but now it's Smart Drivel. Anyway, Kurt, this was fun. There is an unlimited, a bottomless cup of pet peeves out there. And it was fun to touch on a few. And obviously our ribbing is all in good fun. And I'm now going to check all the toilet paper in my house to see which way it comes off the roll. And I'm going to fill up the ice trays. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.